Hey gang, it's John up top just doing a quick intro for this special surprise episode. Our interview with animation legend Tad Stones. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. We had such a great time with Tad. You know, we've been covering the Hellboy animated comics and films over the last few episodes, and we thought this would be a great way to wrap up our discussion on that Wise material. Bitches. And we were so grateful that Tad was willing to chat with us. Yeah, he was super awesome. He was a good guy. By the way, if this is your first episode, this is an all Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. We're watching the movies. <laughs> We're reading the novels. There's three years of episodes in friendship for you to go back and enjoy on your favorite podcast service. So join the book club and contribute to our listener feedback by sending a hey you damn guys to hellboybookclub at gmail.com or by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club and leaving us a comment. Friendship. Next week, we'll be discussing 2008's Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, and we'll be catching up on all of our listener feedback after that. So be sure to let us know what you thought of this interview. Check out the show notes for links to Tad Stones and all his social medias. Well, how with Tad Stones? Yes, it was awesome, as well as, oh, as, well as his amazing blog, which I highly recommend. Blog, actually. Thank you, Tad Stones, for being so awesome. We really appreciate you. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Tad Stones. Hey, Tad Stones! Excellent. Yeah, for anyone who loves... I found him just wandering around outside. I thought I'd bring him in. uh... I know. You know that swamp gets pretty sticky out there. (laughs) Yes. It does. So, obviously, for anyone who loves animation, Tad Stones needs no introduction, um, but I'll do you one anyway, anyway because it's well-deserved, yeah. right? <laughs> Animator, screenwriter, producer, and director who's worked for Disney for, was it 29 years? Uh, 30 years, actually. At least they give oh, me okay. credit for 30. Excellent. <laughs> that's that's nice. arguable. We like but, that. You know. That's good. And you contributed Darkwing Duck, so uh, all of us 90s kids, you know, freaked out over having that yeah. superhero. I was actually young enough to appreciate both Darkwing Duck and Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the gummy oh, yeah. bears and the gummy bears. You, know, you did a lot of like Aladdin stuff, the Atlantis show. All that stuff. Well, once after after Darkwing, I wanted to do another original science fiction show, but instead, because I started in Disney features, um, they had me do Aladdin. And okay. since I used to share a room with Ron Clemens, I, I asked him if it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Well, it's not like they have a choice." But um, and then after that, every time there was a not every time, but you know, I was no longer able to come up with original properties. Oh, it, they were all spinoffs because of my background. Yeah. The closest was uh, working with Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle, who created Kim Possible. That uh, they worked on several of my shows, yeah. and we all executive produced uh, the Adventures of Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which practically was an original character when we were done, as far as. <laughs> You know, nice. everybody else on the screen. So I actually like that one. That was a pretty neat take on the uh, character. <laughs> oh, thank you. But we're actually here to talk about your work on the Hellboy yes, animated films. Are. Hellboy Sword of Storms, which you co-wrote with Mignola, co-produced and directed. And Hellboy Blood of Iron, which you also co-wrote with Mignola. 
uh, along with all that, and you also contributed to the Hellboy yeah. animated comic series, which Very we just cool. covered. We yeah, yeah, I mean, we did the stories together, and there were script writers in each of those. Uh, Matt Wayne on Sword of Storms okay. and oh, Kevin nice, Fox nice. on Blood and Iron. Nice. So it's a team effort, then, is what you're saying. Well, animation always is, no matter no matter <laughs> whose name is above the title. It better it be. Is, uh, a lot of people have to fill up each frame of film. I think that um, these two films are getting like a little bit more hype lately because right. they just came out in 4K, and uh, or at least it seems like they just came out. They're also on HBO Max, and I think a lot more people have been watching them. And uh, so that, we yeah. recently covered both of these on some re- recent episode of ours, and uh, yeah, I thought that they really held up. Um, we really enjoyed checking those out. Oh, that's great to hear. They're not on HBO Max anymore. <laughs> Oh, they're no, not. I was going to say, oh, I didn't know they were on that. there. They I'm going to check that out. Darn. Yeah, it just expired. <laughs> well, I guess I do have them on DVD, so that counts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, there's well, been a little bit of a resurgence in interest for that stuff, so we kind of went over it, and I had never seen it, so I was pleasantly surprised by oh, the great. quality. Originally, it. originally yeah. it was supposed to be a series on Cartoon Network. I knew um, it. And we couldn't, so that was the start. And, you know, Mike and I, I sat down it. and kind of said, oh, we'll do this many stories that feature Liz and this many that feature Abe Sapium. Then here's the team together. And then, oh, we got to put Lobster Johnson in this many episodes. Yes. yes. So we were awesome. starting to break it down that way. And it was actually at a San Diego Comic Con that uh, we got the good news, bad news, or bad news, good news, I guess, of. No, we couldn't make a deal about the series, but we're going to do a series of uh, direct videos. So it took us a, it was kind of like a weird, okay, that's, that's actually good news. But we had mentally been so far down the road right. on a, on a series. In fact, I had done two sample scripts um, that it was, it was just kind of a change, but then it was going to be a series of DVDs and sadly uh, the company sold <laughs> as right. we were finishing the second one okay. and we got to write a third, which will never be produced. So oh, that's a shame. And actually it was fun doing a, a series of DVDs. The idea was that not everyone has to be a world shaking event that, yeah. um, in fact, Mike, when we were talking about the series, what he loved is like, you think of the old uh, Basil Rathbone, Sherlock Holmes, yeah. movies but the series of films is just like you know you could do an episode about a haunted house yes and do a great story yes. or a or a feature-length dvd like and it and it's like the conjuring or, or something right you know, yeah. it's well, yeah. so yeah. hellboy adventure as opposed yeah. to not everything has to deal with <laughs> yeah. the end of the world well there's so much there's so much material that you could have you know worked with over the years i think like as he it got going all the books got going and it's just so interesting to me because i did get that feeling when i was watching these like this feels so much like a pilot for a really big series that spans years and whatever and i was just like ah oh, where's the rest of it though like where's the rest <laughs> well, was it so it's off yeah like i say it was kind of the opposite of that it was a series that somehow spawned these dvds yeah can you talk a little bit about the missing DVD at all? Is there like I mean, the third skin? one? It was yeah. uh, it, I'm not sure I can remember all the details. It would have uh, it was uh, <laughs> what the shadow of the claw or the there was the little yes. teaser at the end of Blood and Iron. So there's much. a yeah, there's yeah. a one frame teaser at the end. Um, anyway, it was just the idea that well, you would see lobster both alive and then 
mystical as I mean, it started back in the adventures and we actually pulled him into Hellboy's origin. Uh, there was one oh, scene wow. in blood and iron. Yeah. Yeah. In the origin uh, in the comics, there's the, what's the guy's name? It was a torch John of Liberty kind of did torch of Liberty, which is yeah. a weird yeah. name for a character. Anyway, that role was kind of like, Oh, we'll give that to lobster Johnson, but we're changed yeah. it. And we actually, it was kind of like our version of the origin, even though Mike was involved, I always tried to, my goal was try to keep it close to the comics as opposed to, I'm going to put my sure. vision on the screen. Wow. Uh, okay. But it's, filtering through somebody else it's always going to be slightly different thank you so much for giving me a little bit on that because as you probably already gathered i'm a huge lobster johnson fan so that was yeah. very exciting to see and oh i wish we could have seen that story man you know i said i'm not going to review any of my stuff for this podcast what? um it was lobster johnson would make an appearance like i say both kind of taking the place of the the what was it again the sort of liberty torch of liberty torch of liberty, liberty. <laughs> um Kind of take, and also the professor was there on the premises and had a more okay. active yeah. role there. Uh, yeah. And then the story itself did deal more with somebody de dealing with the end of the world and all that. And we had a villain who ended up being kind of half demon, half Ooh. cyborg. Uh, we put it this way: oh, if, wow. if, if there were if there were three films, it was like the first film was not just Japanese folklore. It kind of played with how Hellboy started with a lot of series of uh, short stories. Yeah. Right. Uh, that, it wasn't just the what now people know as the trade paperbacks. When it was first right. out, you those are interspersed with you know ways like the famously the corpse, where you really got to know the characters in these short stories. Anyway, yeah. that was kind of our tribute to that. The second one was more... Hellboy's origins of Central European vampires, werewolves, nice. witches, and all that. And then the third one was mad scientists, cyber apes, floating oh, heads man. in jars, all of that. So we never <laughs> oh, got to do man. our mad scientists, the what real pulp side. You gonna, you're going to go back to it, right? You're going to do it, right? Please say yeah. yes. <laughs> not up to me all right in addition to that you also contributed to the comics yes. and you did an introduction to the hellboy animated um one of these little books it's called the black wedding and in there you talked about that you had actually tried to pitch hellboy even before the animated movies came out like way back in the day oh i pitched it at disney yeah yeah wow. can you oh, talk wow. a little bit about that only that uh i did a little kind of a sizzle reel type thing of oh. using Mike's artwork from the comics and just, you know, back then it was Adobe Premiere and just teaching myself the program as I'm moving, you know, shapes around and, and putting it to the soundtrack. <laughs> but it would have been definitely, you know, BPRD type adventures. The um, awesome. kind of heading off any controversy, like the tagline at the end was the Lord works in mysterious ways. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a great way to because you know that they're going to get pushback already on yeah. something like name, that, right? Yeah. But I've always said that it's a good thing it didn't happen. They probably would have changed the name to Heck Boy. Heck and Boy, yeah. On, you know, that's he'd good. be on Main Street with Mickey and Minnie. It would be oh, just, odd, you know. <laughs> oh, be so Although weird. it was odder back then. Now that there's 
Marvel, uh, yeah, Marvel. I was going to say the park. It's not strange at all. He could. I was about to say right if through. you could speculate on the, if this, if you were to pitch this now, how do you think that would go? Like, do you think they'd be like, yes, absolutely, or like what? It wouldn't be. I mean, here's the thing: now that they own the Marvel universe, that is so deep. I mean, it's hard for people to understand. Like, we don't even know that. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, the the Iron Man was considered, although not to me, because I was kind of there since the beginning. But sure. Iron Man was like a B level character. He wasn't the the hot characters for Spider Man. So you were into Hulk Iron Man before he was cool. Horror. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I just about the time I would have stopped reading comics, I had a vacation up in uh, Lake Tahoe <laughs> with my family, mm-hmm. and I remember walking down to the literally the general store of this campground. And they had these comics with these boxes of with a character face in the corner. And there were these heroes that uh, I had never seen before. So I bought all those. And I couldn't tell you <laughs> what it was about them. In retrospect, I, I know what it was. But at the time, I just felt these are different, not just different characters. And I went back down. And as we took our vacation, went around the lake anywhere. And this is back in the day when there were no comic shops, but comics were kind of everywhere and supermarkets yeah. and store yeah. racks. Uh, I would just grab anything with those characters in the corner. So one of my first, my first issue was Iron Man versus the Melter when Iron Man was still in his gold <laughs> costume. And it was also <laughs> oh, Tales, wow. to As- Tales to Astonish 49, I think it is, where it was the issue where Ant-Man became Giant Man. Oh wow. Uh, oh wow. So that was that... the circa I was in and immediately That is so cool. You know, the fun of comic collecting back then was every used bookstore had a box of old comics like a that were box a nickel a piece. Yeah. Yes. yeah, exactly. I got yeah. two copies of Avengers number one for a nickel each. You know, that's oh, that was shit. so weird wow. back then. And in <laughs> fact, you could send into Marvel uh and get back issues for like 35 cents for it right in fact, i Man. think i got avengers number three that way to kind of complete a set that's excellent oh, nice. so it was a whole different Amazing. world Great. now it's now it's if you have enough money you can you can Shit. complete a collection and in fact i put my collection on assignment at a bookstore and that's exactly what they did the problem was wow. i would have sold a lot more but uh i read my comics Yes, right. Yes. So they were yeah. called reader copies. And somebody, reading, yeah. yeah. And it was somebody's gonna, you know, put out a boatload of money for, you know, Fantastic Four number one, sure. they kinda want a pristine copy of it, you know, not one that's I yeah. never folded them and put them in my back pocket, but they got paged <laughs> right. through a lot. So it's good that you enjoyed them though. Yes, that's yes. their first yeah. enjoying exactly. for well, reading. And and I think that that is something that really comes across in watching these Hellboy animated films and, and looking at the comics completely. is you are a comic book lover. Yeah. Looking at your like production diary, you read the Hellboy comics. Obviously you put heads in the Sword of Storms movie and stuff like that. So um, there were so many uh, interesting things on your production diary, like you talked about. Um, you took these elements from Hellboy, the claustrophobic close-up, lyrical horror, the little Mignola shots, the little, yes, the the little pacing, shots. the mood yeah. shots, that's what we call them in the comics, right? Or um, keeping things confined. Well, what really helped me was um, the Atlantis was being worked on at Features. And Mike says how weird it was to go to the studio 
and have all his artwork up on the walls and sure. somebody has gone through and dissected it and and came up with rules and and they're all things like i, I don't do that at least consciously oh, he wow. didn't do any of that right, so yeah. it was just wow. a real weird thing but i had weird. access to all of that so that helped inform okay my art department and you know the That's sad thing cool. was as my career goes on in television every project i did had a smaller and smaller budget you know, which uh, usually meant a tighter production schedule because, right. man, if I had if I had been able to do the Hellboy films with even our Disney TV budgets, which we felt were tight at the time and were, um, oh, we just the quality Animation level would have been much higher. A, yeah. Right. Doesn't get enough love. Doesn't get the love that it deserves. Well, if you've seen the first uh, episode of What If, you see what happens when you've got love and money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was so good. There it I, is. Was, I was going to ask you about what animation you are enjoying right now. I was also going to oh, ask, ask that. That's that so funny. I'm I'm that. No, that's great. I was weird. You know, I think we're all curious then to see what animated projects that you're not working on that you that you enjoy. Well, I'm retired, so I'm not working on anything. But the yeah. uh, my, one of my favorite shows uh, is on netflix is hilda which is based on graphic novels novels okay. i think from sweden norway oh, wow. whatever okay. somewhere up there scandinavia anyway. okay. uh it is fantastic and it's just it's a simple style it's a young girl but she lives out in the forest where you know there are trolls and elves and little dogs with antlers and and just giants and what she accepts as normal and then she has to move into town and what she discovers and and it's just charming and some of the most imaginative stuff i've i've seen so it's not like a dark action adventure thing it's this fantasy that's just uh just an amazing job that they do on it we're wow. going to have to check that out. Hilda on Netflix. We're going to check that Very out. Very cool. Okay. Was Atlantis the first time that you worked with Mignola? Is that how that relationship kind of got forged? Yeah. I mean, he worked on he worked on Atlantis and then Don Hahn is producer of that, who I knew. Um, Don put me in touch with him. I'm trying to think, had I, I think that's when I met Mike. I mean, I went to San Diego Comic-Con, so I don't know whether I stopped by tables or... You were already reading the comics, though, so for you, oh, you yeah. were like... So, yeah. That was the thing. When we finally did panels at conventions, you know, it's just so, again, pre-Marvel. It's so common for producers to say, oh, I'm a big fan of, you know, Yellow Cape Man. Um, <laughs> and then and you realize, like, okay, you read the comics or you or somebody you know, did a summary of the comics for you when you started the project. And no, I was an actual fan of the the comics. And in fact, uh, I was on the Hellboy.com uh, message boards. Oh, wow. Um, and those were, you know, I was an active participant. So I made friends on that board that I'm still friends with today. That's awesome. And in fact, in fact, some of them actually came down and stayed at my house on the way to San Diego Comic-Con Aww. once. So. You know, well, that's what the show is about. Canadian friends, about and then so I went up there, and um, yeah, you know, because friendship is magic, isn't that a Hellboy saying? Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think some magical correct. part of that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I then we went up to Canada, visited them, and two were glass artists, and uh, 
I got so to cool. make something next to a oh, that's so you know, rad. furnace. So that was great. Anyway, so I was deep in that board. Dave Peterson, who um, does Mouse Guard, the comic, a gorgeous comic, and yeah. uh, you know, met him through the boards, and then we all met up at you know conventions. It was fantastic. So, that's so, um, cool. so yeah, I was I knew the stuff and and deep in it. And again, I went in with the philosophy of look the comic is unique i'm gonna try to capture the uniqueness not by i think when guillermo did his movies he said i see hellboy this way and he kind of made him a a younger guy who was you know had a crush on liz and uh you know hormonal or whatever uh, right. <laughs> whereas to me, Hellboy was the rock. You kind of wanted to be on his yeah. crew because you'd have a better chance of coming back alive. Yes. On these <laughs> yes. He's this grizzled. Exactly. Yeah, you'd see yeah. Hellboy's yeah. the guy you'd see, you know, sitting down smoking a cigarette with um, GIs or. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Or skeletons yeah. or. GI skeletons, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, as long as there's beer involved, and that, was that it. came across yeah. too, because there are so many scenes that that really show that I think where they're just all sitting down, they're like, "Oh, it's really important this thing that we're talking about. What was it? Oh, and they come up with it, and it's like a restaurant that they went to or something, and it it's was all worth, like it's a place yeah. where they have the best the donuts best donuts, or something. yeah. And so they're all like, yeah. you know, and so the the people that are just coming onto the team are like, "Oh, I, I'm there. They all have this rapport that we don't have. It's, it really comes across, and it's very lovingly." You know, sure. all these relationships come across so well. And so that's, um, well, I like that very much. Some of the stuff I did was um, in the opening sequence of the first film of, of Sword of Storms. We had a, and I forget his name now, uh, but we have a brilliant storyboard guy storyboarded that sequence. And, you know, he just kind of varied away from the scripts because my scripts tended to be specific about this character this character does that and you know kind of editing it on the page and he kind of went all over and he did a brilliant job of showing how a team fights a creature and i said i'm sorry you have to redo it because the whole point (laughs) of the sequence was i had to put liz in the corner that you couldn't have hellboy helping them by throwing something across the room or something like that Because she was, Liz is not the human torch. Liz is a nuclear weapon. And when, at least at that point in her career, once she starts up, she isn't always able to control it. I mean, in the comics that came later where she really built in the control. Um, Yeah. So it was, you know, I, it was like, no, I, this is why I had to explain to him and he wasn't happy about yeah. it, but you know, I explained to him, this well, I just is, love the way you're so why. invested yeah. in these characters. Well, like, exactly. Otherwise very, that really comes across. It's a great action sequence, but it could be another superhero team. And the point was it's the narrative purpose of the, yeah. yeah. Who are these people? There's like, I've, I've never heard it described that way. She's not the human torch. She's a nuclear. Like that's very, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, and it really comes across in the show. So. I appreciate all that extra work you had to do to convince him. And the thing with, uh, you know, Abe and Liz, people are, are, you know, know, again, Liz, 13 years old or something when Hellboy met her. Not a love interest, you know. And we had a sequence where, and we used it as a tease, where it looks like Abe is kissing her and all he's doing is, is passing oxygen to her. Um, yeah. A bit of the water world yeah. thing. And it, but it was, it was hilarious, you know, that basically when she says, you know, 
you know, she actually wants to talk about it, like, um, yeah, what happened down there? And then he explains what it is, almost Vulcan-like, not getting the, you know, <laughs> burped the, in her mouth. Uh, or yeah. Something. Yeah. And she goes, "You burped? <laughs> I was breathing your burps." Uh, <laughs> Selma Blair this gave me gave me a compliment. A little, yeah. yeah, Selma gave me a compliment. Then thin-skinned animators can get angry at stuff like this, but uh, you know, I'm old enough that I'm used to being the underdogs. But she said, you could write real movies. And then she immediately apologized. Ah! But it was like, yeah, because I mean, I was when I wrote those back and forth things, I was trying to write them as real people, not stock phrases and something. And that little bit of although it ended in a joke, just the idea that she was nervous about it. That was a more gentle thing. It was a lot of fun. Underwater, that um, giving the air thing, that was. um. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, I wasn't sure it would work either, but I have burped excess air before, so I thought I might. I was breathing your burps? Oh, I mean, ah, thanks. Good. Good to know. You know, it wasn't actually a burp, though. Actually, that movie, I got to write that because that movie was short. They had done the company... Uh, had just done a film based on a Stan Lee property or something. I forgot he had a line of comics that didn't go anywhere. Oh, I vaguely remember those. <laughs> if you look at Stan's career post-Marvel, it's kind of like everybody was glomming onto him and, and had his name on stuff and would get him to do things. And, and sometimes he actually got to you know have real story input. Anyway, they had written a script and they had a certain number of page count and it had gone very very long was they did all this work that had to be cut and i knew my page count and they said no no it can't be that page count because it's gone it's going to be too long and like i said before i wrote you know scene by scene actually shot by shot so that even if i got a weak storyboard person if they just literally did you know what the script was saying it would at least be i knew it would <laughs> yeah. work what I tell you know you. and hopefully they would have time to say yeah. oh yeah. i can do that but in this way and i think it'd be more exciting which i'm always open for right but you took the opportunity to inject more character driven well exactly because what happened like filler, is which really comes when we across. when we yeah. put them up on reels they said this is 10 minutes short. I said, yeah, I told you. So, so I got to write, yeah. you know, the, you know, stuff to go into that. And, and basically that's why the Liz and Abe sequences are to, so separate. So I'm very happy with the first one. I'm always hard on my own work. <laughs> Kevin Hopps, the writer on the second movie said, I really liked the movie. Well, until I listened to the director's commentary when I found out what a piece of crap it is, you know, uh, because I'm always talking, I, I always Aww. talk about what, well, what I wanted to do and didn't, you know, because I started in features. So that's what I'm seeing in my head. But I thought right. the first one was successful in the, I don't, the connective stuff wasn't as moody and atmospheric and as cool as it could have been. If I had had more time, who knows what we could have done, sure. but the individual segments I was happy with. And uh, I mean, to, again, what I yeah. said yes. about everything gets a shorter thing. I was at the, I was at brand new at the studio, and on my second day, third day, something like that, I was told we're taking a week or whatever it was out of your script schedule. Jeez! Oh, oh my god! And it's like because I'm a new, because I'm a new guy, and and oh, you know, I'm just kind okay. You're just supposed to roll with that. You know, mentally, I'm going, oh, you mean the scripts? that are based on premises that we haven't even come up with yet. And you're taking a week away from me. That's rude. Rude. But that kind of shows you the, the 
pressure on that side of things. Yeah. The second one got very ambitious. You know, part of the film plays backwards. You know, stole that from Memento. I liked that. Uh, yeah, really we were did. just yeah, yeah, say, we yeah. love that. And I just felt like there were things where I was really trying for things that that I thought were cool that really worked out well. And then the problem is those two films overlapped production. So there were points where basically the crew was starting on one when other parts of the crew were finishing the second or the first one, you know. So there is not a learning curve to it. And then when we wrote the third script, it was like, oh, now we know the types of stuff that works that the animators can handle and what's most effective and wrote to that. So again, didn't get to do it, but it was like, oh, now we understand what's right. What we can yeah. pull off and all that. You Just like you said, you had a tight schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the two favorite shows I've ever done are Darkwing Duck and, and Hellboy uh, and part and for completely different reasons. But with Hellboy, I really got to write a scary movie, not a Scooby-Doo scary movie where (laughs) they say, oh, it's a haunted house. No, I'm not going to say it's a haunted house. It's a house. You're going to experience things that then you realize it's haunted. You know, I mean, my two favorite things early on in it were Hellboy walking into the kitchen and the spinning knives and the, and suddenly there's these three skeletons and he knows that they're in there and all that and how that plays off and the other one was uh playing with uh, abe saying no i haven't seen anything and then it's like oh wait temperature drop and you realize these guys are experienced and if the pr- temperature suddenly drops that's yeah. the sign of something supernatural sucking the energy out and he's in front of that big picture window which we've seen and it's you know got a nice view outside and then he turns around and it's covered with bloody handprints. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all that ties into all the women who were killed in service to um, Lady Bathory. You know, right. That she used to yeah. you know, bathe in the blood. So those were all those ghosts who then make themselves known in a couple scenes later yeah that was done really well i really liked what you did with abe you mentioned that you had to kind of come up with a lot of that on the fly but i really um i actually liked your version of abe a little bit more than the movie version because i felt like he was more like the comics um he was still a unique yeah and it was so cool that you were able to get doug jones to as well as the rest of the actors to reprise those roles yeah what is the um was there a a great deal of difference between directing these actors who are usually doing a lot of film as opposed to hardened animation Most, voice voice actors a lot of those guys do plenty of animation you don't you know sure right uh, Had they? you know so they've actually got yeah and basically acting is acting the only time you run into problems is if they get too subtle because they uh, okay. it, it you do have to kind of boost your performance which can feel hammy to it you know yeah. to an actor but really it was you know the only problem and thank goodness mike was in the booth with me uh is ron perlman was playing hellboy guillermo's way and i had to give a direction to say he's this instead and it's like you could sense a little hackles raising because <laughs> just done a movie yeah, yeah. and you're telling me how this character <laughs> is. And then Mike the was there to say, no, this is all right. This is a little different thing or da, 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 da. And smoothed it over and it was fine after that. That's cool. Uh, so that was the only time everybody else did fine. And That's really interesting. That's so Doug cool. is one of the nicest people on the planet. So it was great. You know, well, and he kind of plays a lot of 
you'll forgive me, animated characters. Oh, where he's on. Yeah, yeah he's where he's, un- he's he kind of does that with yeah. his body language. So I imagine the oh, yeah. translation into the voice acting for him was just kind of another facet of that, maybe another aspect of doing yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is, again, these people are actors. Doug yeah. is an actor and not just the, you know, a guy in a weird suit. No, absolutely. Um, for sure. And there is that gentleness that he brought to it that I just thought was, you know, fantastic. So that is so excellent. That was really cool to hear about. I, I'm kind of curious. Uh, had you been able to go on, would you have been able to introduce like more characters from like the BPRD, like Roger or Johan? Well, I mean, we never thought past the third one so eventually yeah although i think the yeah i mean like i say the fun of brainstorming as a series was just saying oh here's the time that they go to a seance a guy was a medium opened himself up and you walk in the room and he's got these giant floating jellyfish over him you know made of ectoplasm and he's kind of shriveled up there you know to do the story behind that and to me that that of course those are the smaller things but it would be cool to get away from the comics especially if you knew you were doing i mean they had the rights i think for seven years or something Um, oh wow so let's so let's say you got to do seven i mean some of those you want to say no i want to do the haunted house story right. which is just no that's original yeah here's the thing that crashed in antarctic in the antarctic it's I a strong choice of strips good. that where it's like oh we and in, instead of uncovering the spaceship that had the thing in there john you know of john campbell's and john carpenter's fame that you realize like oh this is melting stuff and these are the ancient just that whole thing that mike did where yeah. You take Lovecraft type creatures and say, no, they were physical too in the past. And maybe they came here and there was technology from an ancient Hyperborean or Hyperborean, how do you, however you say it? Hyperborean? Anyway, to say that, oh, here's, here's these giant creatures in glass tubes and one's cracked. and one is i think we had a the idea that here's it's you've come too close so even though it's in stasis its brain is still alive and it's mentally takes over people in the expedition uh you know just playing around with things like that nice would be yeah and then yeah eventually (laughs) because the only problem you bring in characters to say oh i'd like to see so and so and this you know you kind of want to again my bent would be well i want to time to that story and once once you time to that story you're kind of getting on that train right. which leads right. to the end of the world and even I mean, when mike started hellboy you know he was pretty much it was like this you know the bprd is let's go we got a case of a poltergeist that's making it rain inside the auditorium right constantly you know that let's investigate it and it turns into something bigger. Then his stuff started weaving together and saying, oh, I guess I'm telling this story. Now, if there's ever an argument for, uh, you know, creative types are tapped into alternate dimensions. (laughs) Yes. Mike might be one of those. Right, absolutely. Uh, I like that um, you would incorporate more of the comments because you described from Goodbye, Mr. Todd, right, where they walk in and they see the jellyfish over the guy like, I like that you would have incorporated more of the little short stories into like the grander yeah. thing. That's kind of like what you did with heads on the first one. That's such a great idea. I love that. Yeah. But again, to make it more instead of a series of short stories to say, 
Although you certainly can say here's here's a typical week for the BPRD. Right, yeah. And they you actually say, have yeah, you like, can yeah. use monster of the you know, week seven that adventures, tied yeah. into <laughs> like a larger yeah. mythology of oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. Kind of um, But to actually take the time to do one that that's, seems like a small thing and it's like, yeah, it's not going to make newspaper headlines, but it's going to s- terrify all yeah. the people investigating and somebody's going to die, you know, that type of you know, stakes. Yeah. I just look forward to doing original stories there too, with you know, these characters I thought were fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. We are all, um, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school when I say we're all three of us here, are really huge fans of, of animation just in general. And so we tend to pay attention to stuff like when all of the, uh, voice actors on a show that have done the extraneous voices on the show, the other characters that aren't the like main characters are also on all the other shows you've worked on. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I have to know, like that can't be a coincidence, right? Like, how does that work? Do you just call them in and say, Hey, I've worked with you before. I really liked when you worked on this project. And like, they've all worked together on a bunch of other stuff too, even outside of the stuff you've worked on. So are they just like in a stable and they're all like actors no, you can really count <laughs> on? Or is it like, do you no, call them up? But like, how does that work? It's called their actors looking for work. You know, it's like I, <laughs> they all hey, end up on the same projects together, you. and it just seems like more uh, than coincidence to me. Like it's so well going back to working on Gummy Bears for its third season, uh, and met Jim Cummings and how creative he was, and then right um, using him on Chimmendale's Rescue Rangers as Monterey Jack, and yeah. before that he had he had. He did many of the villains on that show. And then when it came yeah. to Darkwing, it was like, yeah, I want to work with Jim. He's fantastic. Jim, by the okay. way, a huge comic fan. So he would know all that stuff. All the oh, little nice. jokes and stuff. Because Darkwing yeah. Duck is a Batman yeah, yeah. allegory. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the casting director on Darkwing was Jeannie McSwain, who yes. <laughs> Jim calls me. Darkwing's dad and she's Darkwing's mom. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. And a lot of times it's her knowing people who would be right for it. You know, they're casting it. Or somebody who isn't overused, who's super talented. So yeah, they pop up and it's just like, you know, if I could there are certain writers that I would always want on my shows, because, you know, it was like Kevin Hopps is is one of them who wrote the second one. I always wanted him to be one of my story editors on a show because we just clicked in a way that you know, so cool. we'd go to lunch together i found this yeah. out after the fact and we'd go to lunch together and people saying how can you go to lunch you guys are like fighting with each other story that was a story meeting that had nothing to do with you know personalities but yeah that's different. you just know yeah you know what people can do and that goes for actors too and you know who's creative who's good on their feet or who you just Say, oh, this is going to be a great group to get together. That is so fascinating. I I was really excited to get to ask you about that because I, I couldn't believe how many of these people ended up on the same projects together. And it's just so it's just so interesting just come to find out like, yeah, they're of course, like you want to work with these people. They're great. Like they're the best. So, yeah, get them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, That's good to know. Enjoyed, the first time I ever worked with Perry Gilpin was on the second one, the on Blood and Iron. And to have her be Kate was just to me. It was just like yes, it just awesome. felt it just felt right when she you did know, a great job. How she handled that and all that, yeah, yeah, she could so. be Kate. She I mean, I think Kate. she could play yeah. Kate like in real life. Yeah. I thought, yeah. So for the animated comics, you also got to contribute there. 
Um, you contributed Pyramid of Death short story. That was a really cute story with young Hellboy. And uh, he imagines himself as a lobster, like foiling this uh, pyramid, this mummy character. Mm-hmm. And then you also uh, wrote and illustrated The Menace of the Mechanical Monsters. I love both of those stories with the young Hellboy and the lobster Johnson. Those were... uh, is awesome. that something that uh, I always felt like those could be little short cartoons? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a lot of fun, but my only regret, uh, and I have lots of regrets, but the <laughs> regrets on those projects were uh, it was a weird thing in that technically you could say I was a client where you know, you'd think oh. the editors talk to you, except I'm also the writer on it. Right. Uh, so on that first one, I mean, oh. I got an email from the artist to say hey i really want to work to you know it'll be it's going to be great working together and then i never talked to him again because and that was not knowing how comics worked or not wanting to step on the editor's toes um you know to and i realized i and which is weird because that's how i run my or ran my shows which is you cast your crew and then let them do their jobs i'm guiding them i'm directing them but the point is they're doing something that i can't do myself they're taking it to another level in each whether they're a background painter a writer or a, right. a character designer um the, so from your uh, perspective you can count on everyone to provide their end of it and and really contribute what yeah, they I have mean, to I'll, contribute I'll, without I, interfering yeah it's like much. i know enough to be dangerous is how i always put it because like, i know <laughs> photoshop and all that and i can push there when i'm talking about no you can push those colors much farther they doubted me and i sat down you know at the computer and i and i put it all the way in this case it was a sequence with the werewolf and and vic cook the director wanted to push it red you know kind of playing off the fireplace i said yeah, but way redder than that. And I sat down because at first the background painter was at the computer and he just like nudged it a little redder. And I said, no, put it all the way. To, Do you know, it. Basically. Put it all the way to 11. And the, and they just nudge <laughs> a little bit more. And I say, okay, let me do it. I sat down. I put it all the way and everybody gasped because it looked <laughs> terrible. I said, okay, now let's just pull it back a Scale little bit. Scale it back, yeah. Now a little bit more. And then they found some, okay, that looks really cool. And I said, now look where you were, where you thought it was red. And it was like amazing. It's like, because I knew that little trick of you have to go way past, pull back <laughs> to get away from your preconceived notions of how far can I go and all that. That's excellent. But the point is the background yeah. painter is a fantastic painter and doing a great job on his own. It wouldn't be the end of the world had he just gone reddish you know it would just yeah. be a different feeling we wanted to go more graphic on. i love that approach yeah. take it too far and then scale it back yeah that's cool that's interesting <laughs> for the um for the menace of the mechanical monsters now that was one that you actually contributed the art to right yeah and that one is like <laughs> the um i'm always self-conscious about my art i'm better about it now but i've been you know oh i loved that yeah, one with the stamp pad and everything yeah. that was so great I like yeah. that Oh yeah. But the one thing that I just and it was just silly, I just in coloring, it was an idea I just assumed they would do and I never said it. And it was like, oh, you know, afterwards I think it was Scott Alley who said, Oh yeah, that would have been neat. It's like <laughs> And it was just the idea that the color keys of the the fantasy world of Hellboy Jr. that he was seeing should be gaudy and like from the Silver Age. Okay. And then the real stuff should be, you know, and even with, you know, dot matrix pattern and all that, 
Um, yes. That would have been awesome. And been the other stuff should be subdued like a modern thing. And instead it was all done the, the same way. So it was just kind of like opportunity lost, but you know, I learned a lot. So someday when they release the collective edition, <laughs> I'm sure they'll correct all that. That's, a, oh, yeah. that's still a great way to think about it, though, is that you, you <laughs> learn something from that. I mean, that's an, looking at it as an as an opportunity instead of as a loss. Yeah. You know, that's really good. I mean, we still really enjoyed the story. And I, of course, I love the cool, art but, on that yeah. one. I yeah, I, I think yeah. that that was some of the best stuff. Were those uh, little Hellboy stories, uh, Menace of the Mechanical Monsters. Those were my favorite parts yeah. of those. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were really cute. I really enjoyed that. On the first one that I didn't draw the, uh, and not that my art was serious looking but they kind of pushed it again the editor pushed it in the more oh this is a comic more for kids and it was like that went against what we were doing in the movies right. it was right. like no 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 do normal <laughs> normal artwork and let the story be the story of this you know hellboy junior but yeah uh, so that was kind of something in theory we changed that by me doing doing the artwork um i'll do it myself well yeah but it wasn't it wasn't like that it was kind of like oh you want me to do it you know mike was pushing me and it was just like Aww. me just sweating it out and now it was just like i was asked to do a, a variant cover on a darkwing comic of all things and i just oh, choked awesome. up and it was like and then as soon as i had screwed up and had somebody really redo it so you couldn't even tell it was me um <laughs> i said oh i could have based it on this and now it's like after i've done several years of commissions and and selling artwork at comic cons it was like oh yeah i could do that easily now I, right after know, doing several years, ago, years of artwork russia. yeah i can totally do it for sure yeah two i mean two years ago i was in russia and i did a variant cover for their comic that uh just became a major motion picture on that's on netflix of major grom but i did awesome. a version of the comic that with where I turned them all into ducks. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's great. Oh, nice. <laughs> now, um, I, I have to ask you, do you still have the original pages from the Menace of the Mechanical Monsters? Uh, I think that was all digital. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Actually, okay. I don't know. I mean, when you say that, it's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe I do. <laughs> I don't know. I think what he's getting I know at there, is... I got to say, there's a, there was a uh, car windshield drawing where he's at the wheel of the car that i yeah. looked at the final i said okay they must have had somebody redraw that because that's way better than i draw uh. <laughs> i think what john is getting at is if those pages were hypothetically available there might be people maybe people in this very room <laughs> who would be interested in buying that artwork so you know do let us know no, i'll, I'll come have across to around for yeah. it yeah let you guys know <laughs> So I'm very lucky. In in my office is three pieces of Mike Mignola. Ooh. I have three Mike pages. Ooh. Really? Uh, which Ooh. pages do you mind telling us? I have, um, and the thing about these pages, I feel guilty about the oh, uh, man. two of them. I bought one, and it's good. from uh, Conquer Worm. Um, nice. It is the one where Hellboy is given the device that will blow up roger oh okay. wow his hand yeah and that that's a cool one and then the other two my wife got for christmas meaning mike picked out the pages Aww. um so again it has the conqueror worm on it and it has a silhouette of lobster johnson saying prove yourself oh that's a great wow. that's a oh my page. god but the one that as mike said um, oh, that one squeaked when it came out of the drawer. 
meaning it was like (laughs) i want to actually get that and uh it is from the island and this is back when um you know all the lettering had gone digital but this page didn't have any dialogue on it so it is hellboy underwater drifting down in the ocean and in wow. the last panel oh that's amazing about a third almost a half of the page is the the mermaids in the shadows down oh, oh wow man. at the end but it's that one page. i've i've told mike i said that one is going to go to the um comic book art museum in oakland uh whereas the others are have the kids fight over them right wow <laughs> no that's it's wow, just so no. nice i mean it's just yeah. such a beautiful piece that that uh that's intense i mean it is it is outstanding because the other ones you know again we're early enough that they have hand lettering actually on the page wow but yeah those are my pride and joys wow that's fantastic Thanks those are awesome. yeah that. those are I some really great pieces that. that's excellent i've really been enjoying your type pad uh hellboyanime.typepad.com forward slash just underscore a underscore tad uh, on there. You've been sharing your uh, process and learning painting over the last couple months. Well, what happened with that is the Hellboy side of it is all literally as we were doing the show, I was doing the vlog. It was literally part of my job. They said, okay, you have to register for it. You pay for it and then we'll reimburse you. So that was super fun. And it was so much fun. And it is rare. I mean, it was funny. I got feedback on the page that was about retakes because it was just something that most fans didn't know about. I said, yeah, there's this process where the animation comes back and it's wrong and you have to ask for a retake. You can only do it (laughs) if it's wrong in the right way. Um, Uh. If it's wrong in the wrong way, then it's like you can't call it. Meaning, if you to- if it's wrong because you told them to do something wrong, sorry, you swallow it or you pay for it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pay uh, for wow. them to do but that. But if yeah. but if they messed up, it's like, hey guys, we told you and you didn't do it. Um, like his jacket is floating three feet above him or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that one was so much fun. I wanted to continue that sort of thing when I was later on, and then I realized very quickly that. I wasn't allowed to post anything I was working on. So I think I did some Scooby-Doo boards, a a little assignment. I couldn't post them and talk about it because I wanted to talk about the creative process again. But I was never on a project that would let me do the same thing. (laughs) They weren't using it as part of the... It was more in the vein of, no, keep everything secret until we're ready. Um, And so it became... Well, I hardly wrote to it at all. And then have about share, a year and yeah. a half ago is when I started trying to play with gouache painting. And, um, you know, I'm very hard on myself if you've been reading on it. Like but any artist. Seeing, yeah. Uh, you know, seeing it develop and, and it just it's just a fun thing to keep track of. So you know, for myself. I think it's, it's such a wealth of information yeah. for fans. And I really thank you for putting that together. I mean, and you artists, really, I mean, you, you, you talk about um, so much of the process and animation, not only with the Hellboy stuff, but in general, you know, you have a series where you, how to pitch yeah. a script and, you know, uh, yeah. uh, just a lot of informative stuff for people who are interested in animation. So I'll be yeah. linking down in the show notes of this episode. It's I highly cool. recommend Check people out, go yeah. and go yeah. through the art. Well, the, Hel- the Hellboy yeah. stuff is a lot of fun. And you definitely have to go to the Hellboy one and then go to the archives. So it started in October of whatever year. 
to yeah. get it from the beginning. Because yeah. then I say, this is why it doesn't look like Mike's artwork. We weren't right. allowed to, to make it look like Mike's artwork. Uh, and the reason was very simple. If like if you if you put out a toy based on, let's say we use we tried to copy Mike's art as well as we can, um, and we put out a toy, well, who gets a cut of that toy? Yeah. Is it the animators? Or is it Dark Horse? And oh right, it's always okay. going to be Mike. But it's like you couldn't distinguish it. Um, so that was one of the things where, no, he had, it had to have a different art style and, uh, Mike picked Sean Ga- Galloway and, it makes and perfect to come sense up with the very thing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very practical reason. It wasn't me saying, oh no, I can make it look better. Like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. no, nobody would presume yeah, that and at all. On that production blog, you also share like some of the concept of uh, different styles and stuff like that is really interesting to look at all that stuff in, in retrospect. Yeah, because the, that was, again, done not exactly because I was, I knew I was doing the blog before I was allowed to, to put it out. Uh, but especially the first few were about, this is how we got to where we are now. And then it, then it became, this is what happened this week kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's one of the rare places that I know of where you see how a production comes along and as it's doing it and you know oh yeah and I, and, and you're time. so honest on there too you know you talk about um hiccups and things that are frustrating and um i think that that's uh, such a great resource for people just uh, it just it gives a, oh, a yeah. whole new light to the process so thank you for putting that together and keeping up with oh, it after all these yeah. years and still continuing well, yeah, to pay actually, for it. <laughs> it's kind of, I keep, exactly. I've, it costs me like 80 bucks a year, I guess, or whatever. It's like, um, you appreciate I've it. always thought like, you know, if I could just print it out as a book, which you can, if you take the time, there are companies that do that. Cool. Uh, and it's like, then I could stop paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> Get paid for it. I really like this one little comic you did on that, on your thing called trade snob, where you have the little, it's like, ah, uh, the little Hellboy kid going into that the... That was a uh, good one. I love that. But I, I really like uh, uh, Mignola jumping in his money like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, um, when I was on that Hellboy.com message board, I started doing Hellboy Junior comics. And it was, it was just fun the, of the design style that eventually ended up with about... And I think we did a comic where there there's... You know, he and Abe go on an adventure and there's a monkey with a gun and there's, you know, there's it ends up with Lobster Johnson, but there's a giant gorilla. It's a cyber gorilla. But uh, he was just such a cute, compact character. Uh, one of the people on the board, Maya Graham, who is uh, somewhere along the line, discovered she was a wonderful sculptor and she sculpted a little Hellboy Jr. in my style and uh still have that that's you know it was just a lot of fun so oh, that's awesome. yeah, that, was, that was the design that when i did the trade snob that that's those are the designs from those gag cartoons that i would post yeah i think there is a, a picture of that little um sculpture on the on the production blog that's really cute yeah that's right there is. Yeah. yeah awesome i just want to thank you yes, so thank much you again so much. for for your time and for hanging out with us we really enjoyed talking to you all right well my pleasure it's fun talking about the hellboy universe at least our little corner of it yeah. yes yes and you've contributed so much yeah, to it i think really. that um the animated films and I, everyone's waiting for hellboy to come back and in, into animated i think yes 
You know what I mean? And so right now yours is, uh, you know, your, yours is out there. That's what people are, that's what people are gravitating towards. And I think that, um, it's getting a whole new life on with the 4k release. I think it'll continue to, uh, make fans happy and people who, um, are interested in the Hellboy comics and the movies. All right. That's good to hear. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time to talk about the Hellboy animated. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I'm happy to do it. Oh, thank you. People are always asking me about ducks, and it's hard. I hardly ever get to talk about Hellboy. Right. Okay. Well, hey, that's what we're in. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, excellent. Oh, All thank right. You. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Bye bye. All right. Stay dangerous. <laughs> nice. <laughs>